Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. From Morgan's Farm to Table Studios, located on County Road 42 and Nicollet in Burnsville, featuring six local farmers, Taste the Difference award-winning. This is The Howl. The Howl is a proud member of the CLNS Media Network and can be found on clnsmedia.com as well as Podient, iTunes, and Stitcher. We would also like to welcome everybody to the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Nothing But Net is a channel like no other featuring all teams and all topics from everybody's favorite league, the NBA. The Howl is brought to you by our wonderful supporting partners, Rhyme Sayers Entertainment, the pinnacle of underground hip-hop worldwide, Studio 23, where passion reigns supreme, and Isabel Street Heat, adding a bit of spice into your everyday life. I am the snow day of the radio world, your host, Kevin Draves. To my right is Aaron Nightplow Groshong, the producer of the show, and to my left is none other than Rob Icecastle Hess, the jack of all trades for the program. In the first quarter tonight, we look back at the games that were and preview the week ahead for both the Timberwolves as well as the Iowa Wolves. In the second quarter, it is our talker segment. This week, we have a good dose of both Wolves and general NBA and WNBA topics. This week, we forego a featured musical artist for the painting variety at halftime. This episode features Jessica Kramer. She's a professional artist who finds inspiration everywhere, and through her detailed illustrations and abstract paintings, She studies connections and the layers that shape us and our world around us, often depicting many stories in one piece. She received a BFA in fine art from the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, where she studied graphic design as well as painting. She currently works out of her home studio and works with several professional clients and small startups, providing them with graphic design services. Jessica also owns Art Love Leggings, a clothing company featuring her art printed on yoga leggings. She will be painting a wolf during this week's show, and we will be auctioning it off to donate the money to the Flip Saunders Foundation. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, let's get ready to howl! Quarter one of the howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. 
This is where we break down the Wolves week that was. Take a look to the week ahead for the Timber Pups and not just the Timber Pups, but our Iowa Wolves as well. Uh, so we are going to start with Monday, the 22nd, uh, a.k.a. Snowpocalypse. If you live in the cities here, uh, this was the night that it snowed. What I think it was like something like 12, 13 inches total. Definitely a flood uh, in the in the cities. It was pretty brutal. Uh, and the Wolves were lucky enough to be on the West Coast in L.A. taking on the Clippers. And this was uh, the game that Andrew Wiggins needed to have you guys. Yeah, it was very interesting uh, with Butler out of the starting lineup. You wondered who would take on that scoring load for your Minnesota Timberwolves. It was, as Kevin just alluded, Andrew Wiggins. Fascinating stuff from this game. We actually trailed in every quarter of this game. You look at the final score, you see how well the, the Wolves played and executed and it really dominated and controlled the pace of this game. You would have thought it would have been kind of a runaway, maybe a little bit of a laugher. Not so much the case. They had a monster lead in the third quarter. That windows down. You get a little nervous. You're thinking, oh boy, you know, the Clippers actually were hot rolling into this game. Wiggins ultimately finishes with 40 points and the Wolves walk away with the 126, 118 finish. Rob, any takeaways you want to get into? Uh, This is one of the games, you know, with Jimmy Butler being out, you got to see starter Bielitsa and I thought he really shined in this game 18 points nine rebounds four assists three of nine from three what you're starting to see from Bielitsa is something we really need and he's kind of free shooting he's not taking his time like before he'd pass up a lot of open shots since he's been in the starting lineup now I'm really seeing a different belly and when Jimmy Buckets comes back which obviously he's back now you need to keep seeing that that has to continue if if we're going to be successful I love that hashtag different belly. Let's get that going. Mm-hmm. Um, I do see the same thing that you see, Rob. Uh, Bielitsa not passing up these shots as he has done in the past. It was actually maddening to see that because it's the ball's moving around. It's in the flow of the game. Hits him wide open, you know, wing three. Hesitation passes up the shot and the offense just kind of clams up. Really puts the team in a pickle. I'm glad that he's over that now since he's been back from the injury and he's getting some significant time. He's starting to look very good. Um, your guy, Aaron Brooks, Rob, seven seconds. Fantastic game for Aaron Brooks. Uh, moving on, uh, <laughs> Todd Gibson actually, I think, was one of the better starters outside of Towns. Town finishes with 17. Boards. Towns had such a weird game, though, because right uh, so I had an issue with my DVR. I ended up watching actually the Clippers broadcast for this one. And they, and they kept pointing out towns wasn't scoring from the field. And, he wasn't. and in the end, he finishes one of seven, obviously, you know, nine of 10 from the line, which is really big, but a very uncharacteristic towns game, especially he's a guy that always seems to struggle to get to the line, N- not by any fault of his own. I just feel like he doesn't get called. He kind of gets that shack treatment where yeah. they're not willing to give him the calls. So you, you see the calls. And this is especially crazy because for anyone that's been a Wolves fan for years, notoriously, when we play the Clippers, we get hosed by the officials. I always feel like so it's nice to not only get a win, but also get some calls to go our way in a place that that doesn't normally happen. I mean, look at Jeff Teague, 17 free throw attempts. You know, I was just going to say I would be remiss if I did not discuss and elaborate a bit on Teague's game Um, really outside of Wiggins, who who finishes with 40, you have Teague with 30, which is a fantastic uh, offensive output from him. 
16 for 17. Towns goes nine for 10. That is critical, really, in a in a game that I don't know if you chalk this one up, uh, you know, before the before the tip saying, hey, guys, let's get into a 126, 118 run uh, with the Clippers on their home court. That's probably not how they wanted to finish this game, although they did get the job done. I liked how they closed out the game. You know, we get a bit nervous here uh, in Minnesota Timberwolves land on how the Wolves will close out a game. It was nice to see them shut the door on the Clippers. Um, I'm good with any more takeaways, Rob. If you got anything else you want to get into. Last thing I'll add is just, you know, you expected the Clippers stars to perform. So Lou Williams hit a monster game. Blake Griffin, 32, 12, and 11 monster game. But outside of that, you really shut down all the role players. And that's what you want to do in a game like this. And when you're missing Jimmy Butler, you don't really know what to expect. A win in L.A. is huge. Yeah. Now, the news of the night, Kevin, you want to get into what has actually happened while we're recording here tonight on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. Um, those listening to the howl, uh, the Clippers just had a, a monster trade go down with the Pistons. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, Pistons have received Blake Griffin along with, uh, was it Bryce Johnson? And there was one other player. And Willie Reed. Willie Reed uh, for Tobias Harris, Boban Marjanovic, uh, the big man, the big name behind the trade, Avery Bradley. And I believe there's a first and second round pick yep. included in there as well. With now, top four protections on the first round pick. I think in 2021, it becomes, you know, unlimited. There's no protections. But let's be real. Obviously, that pick is going to be next year yep. because the Pistons are going to make, probably make the playoffs. You'd have to think. Yes. Uh, looking at uh, a guy that I know, I think all three of us, we've had him on the show. He's a great uh, Twitter follow. If you haven't already uh, at Keith Smith NBA, uh, he's talking uh, in very, very detailed tweets about how this trade frees up the money for the clips to make a run at LeBron. And maybe instead of trading DeAndre to the Cavs, like it's been reported, using DeAndre and the money that they have to try to entice LeBron to the other L.A. team here over the summer. Boy, that'd be something. It would be very interesting. It would bring LeBron. I mean, bringing LeBron to the West would be absolutely ridiculous in uh, in this in this stage. So that's the trade. We'll talk a little bit more about that in the second quarter. So stay tuned for that. Uh, again, Wolves get the win 126 118. Uh, my two takeaways real quick on this Wiggins six rebounds in this game. Glad to see that number. And my dud of the night, Gorgie Jang, 15 minutes, zero points, uh, two rebounds and O of two from the field coming off of the bench, but wolves get the win by eight points in LA. This is a great win for this team. Uh, like you guys said, especially without, uh, without Jimmy Butler in the lineup, this is a win that the wolves needed to get uh, the next game. They go to Portland on uh, game two of their little three game West coast trip to take on the trailblazers at the Moda center. Uh, I mean, this this one screamed old school wolves to me, and I mean old school by last year. If you have a huge lead in this game um, and a consistent lead in this game, and then you, you go ahead and you just throw it out the window and you let them run away with it. Well, I think this is a good example, though, too, of when you're playing a team that can hit the three ball and the big difference you're talking about that can make 17 threes versus six, and you still only lost by nine points. So if you look at it that way, that's a huge advantage they have. And you still only lost by nine points. So I'm with you. It's, it's unfortunate, but it's also not too surprising because they, 
they couldn't miss. Yeah, it was really the third quarter in this basketball game that did the Timberwolves in. It just seemed the Wolves could not guard the perimeter. It, I don't know what it is in as we get into the games to come. It's a continued theme for this week. Something this basketball team has to do a better job at. C.J. McCollum, Dame Willard, too many open looks. We know what they were looking to do. We just could not stop it. And that's not a good thing in the NBA. Teague really struggled. As far as Wolves go, Teague really struggled. Wiggins a minus 24. He had 24 points, but outside of those points, he didn't really contribute much. I mean, a lot of guys really struggled in this game. I mean, that's just very apparent. Well, it's unfortunate, too, because Jamal Crawford, I thought, had a fantastic game, really trying to keep the team afloat. I know we're down Jimmy Butler. That is tough. I'm really disappointed in the fact that as this was a chance for us to take another season-long series win for this squad. We've already got a couple from West Coast opponents. This was our chance to take a 3-1 over the Blazers. Instead, we yep. take the split. That's that's disappointing in and of itself, more so just the loss. It compounds the problem. Shabazz gets a little run. Plus 10. Yeah, well. But, I mean, it's the last you know three minutes of the game. Exactly. It's garbage time. It doesn't matter. It The damage was already done. Dame did his thing. McCollum did his thing as we discussed. And you can't help, but you know, if you're Al freak Amino and you're doing what he's doing, 15 and seven on the night, when you get that third guy going like that, it's just tough. Uh, Pat Connaughton looked good. couple fast breaks, had a real nice alley-oop reverse slam. And, and there you go. Ed Davis. I mean, you got guys like Ed Davis putting up a double, double, when Damian Lillard's hitting six out of 11 from three, I mean, what more can you do as a team to stop it? You know, one thing I've noticed, and it seems to be the, uh, how, how the, the season goes for the wolves games where you get out rebounded, uh, the wolves never seem to win. And now granted, this was a one rebound difference in this game. And I think the bigger numbers that we saw like three point percentage, 54.8 to 37 and a half. Um, as well as assists, the wolves lead the turnover category, um, positively. Um, well, here's the thing the turnovers, Kevin, this is what kills me. I don't understand this. Like we play better when we win in the world is you have six turnovers in a game and you lose it. The wolves, the wolves play better when they turn the ball over more. I think they had a a stat on the telecast about that. It's absolutely crazy. That's crazy to me. I mean, six turnovers in an NBA game is I mean, that's fantastic. That's great. You have done an amazing job at protecting the ball to lose and not only to lose by nine. Well, and here's what Come doesn't help on. between Teague towns and Wiggins. They were a minus 54 and that's not going to help you no matter who you are in that uh, or 53. Sorry. Uh, it's not going to help you no matter what team you are, or how good your players are when your three, three of your star players are, are that off and plus minus. Um, they say it doesn't dictate how a whole game goes, but Man, minus 53 like that, that's brutal. I do want to add one more thing. Uh, this will be my final point on this game, guys, is I am not looking forward to any type of Wolves-Blazers matchup in the playoffs. If this somehow becomes a 4-5 or a 3-6, 
I, I don't, there's I don't a think handful, I'm necessarily worried but about them. But you'd have them. Jimmy in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, Remember, likely, we didn't, we didn't have Butler this game. I don't know. Any team that shoots the three that's looking for that and that guard play, I'm I'm worried about. I mean, yeah, you gonna ha- you're going to have Butler. Um, it just worries me. I don't like how we match up with them. I think, you know, between Nurkic and Ed Davis, I think down low, that's going to put pressure on Towns and Gorgie more so than we think. It's just they, they scare me. I don't want to see that matchup, mm-hmm. and I'd worry about it. Uh, so moving on, Wolves lose that game 114 to 123. And then the second night of the back-to-back, they got to travel down to Oracle Arena in Oakland, California, and take on the Golden State Warriors. Uh, this was a TNT game. I much rather would have watched this on Fox Sports. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's we'll talk tough. about the announcing, by the way, in quarter two. Yeah, and we, and we will, we'll get to that, like you said, Rob. A back to back, and when you, whenever you're playing a back to back, it's difficult. When you're playing a back to back against the defending NBA champions, that's even more so. I don't know what to say other than, again, this is a continued theme from we can't guard the perimeter. The Warriors shot lights out, and they really took it to us. Um, effort wise, if you take away the three point shots from the Warriors, it just still felt eye test wise. The wolves didn't have enough gas in the tank to run with them. Period. Too many. You know, I, I remember the next day seeing highlights of re ball goes up. Rebound occurs that instant turnaround transition. You had four on twos, five on three, five on two warriors all running down. That is too difficult. Um, to put on your defense. You can't ask a Wolves team that can barely guard the perimeter. We know they're not the best in transition defense to be guarding the Warriors four yeah. on two. And and good Lord, it's the Warriors. I'm going to throw out some team numbers here. Uh, so the Warriors shot 56.8% from three Wolves shot 30, uh, 54 to 51 in rebounds in favor of the Warriors. Uh, 37 assists for the Warriors compared to 25 for the Wolves eight blocks for the Warriors. So you can see not only are they getting it done shooting the long ball, just shooting in general, but the defensive side of things they're getting their, you know, I mean, 43 offense or 43 defensive rebounds in this game, 37 assists, eight blocks. I mean, any team on their best night, those are numbers that are hard to compete with. Yeah. But I feel like if you had Jimmy Butler in this game, I think you have a chance of winning. I think you might win this game. They shot just crazy lights out when it came to three and so many wide open threes, which is the frustrating part. It's tough to win when you don't have Jimmy Butler. It's especially tough to win when you're playing the best team in the league. If Jimmy Butler had been there, I think we win that game. And actually, um, Jim Peterson said as much the game after that. He said, if Jimmy Butler had played in that game, he was, I think we win it. Two things. In addition, Rob. Andrew Wiggins, 10 points, four of 18 shooting damaging that's uh you can't come back from that that unfortunately is a flop of a game from a guy who's on a max contract i'm sorry but when you are tagged with that type of salary in the nba mm-hmm. there are expectations and the expectation is much greater than 10 points against the greatest competition with that being said Carl Anthony Towns all night long 
had a mismatch. If they would have started every offensive set with work it into cat, then kick it out for a shot or a pump fake drive into the lane, that type of offense. Cat could have had 50 points in this game. And I get it. Trading the two for the three. That is very difficult to overcome. Yes. However, oh, yes. you know, if, if Wiggins doesn't have it, I, this is what I, when I talk about on this show, shooting your team out of the game, at like four for 12, you should realize I don't have it tonight at four for 15. You should realize you don't have it tonight Four for 18. My goodness. You need to stop, 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 stop. You need to focus on rebounds. You need to focus on defense that can't happen anymore. And furthermore, to elaborate on this point, the coach needs to step in and do something different. You either need to get the guy an easy basket, get him to the free throw line, get him going. Wiggins, how many free throws? You guys tell me right now, how many free throws did Andrew Wiggins have? Two. He had two free throws the entire game. I mean, it was not good. I mean, it wasn't good. uh, Enough about that, but the bottom line is, is that a max contract player you need to get to the line more than two times. You need to figure that out. Wiggins has been in this game long enough. He understands sure. what to do. I agree. But all, all things considered, I think this could have gone a lot worse. I thought the yeah. Wolves played. They put up a pretty good effort. Losing oh. losing by 13 to the defending champions in a game that you really didn't play your best basketball and you didn't have Jimmy Butler. I think I'm okay with this. Yep. As, as much as as much as that pains me to say. Um, you know, the next game you take on the Brooklyn Nets. I'm not a hundred percent sure I like this game because you just, you, you, you got, you were playing the toughest team in the league and now you go to the worst team in the league and it just, it felt like a trap game to me. Well, it was one time before that's for certain. Right. Yeah. Um, with that being said, you, you, you gotta be concerned about Spencer Dinwiddie. He killed us last time. Right. I mean, what, what's to what's to stop him again? I mean, with that crazy floater game, those two floaters he had against us. Yeah. That's what it took. Well, it, interesting enough, the time before um, when we played the Nets, you know, they were just absolutely stinking it up. And we thought, OK, this has got to be a win. And then it wasn't this game. Same kind of thing. Probably the worst team slumping going into this, the this game with the Wolves shooting unbelievably poor from the field. And I thought exactly like Kevin, I'm thinking this can't be good. How is this going to go wrong? Well, and it started, I mean, it it, it looks bad on paper. The wolves 19% from three point land in this game. Uh, I mean, granted they win the rebound battle pretty heavily Uh, assists. They, I mean, they're close. They only have six turnovers, 44% from the field, but this just wasn't a game for me that I ever felt was, a dominating fashion. They got out to a huge lead early. Um, they really gave did it the- back and gave it back and let them hang around. And it just, it never felt like a full on 100% wolves win. This really? Game. I yeah. see. They jumped out to that hot start and I thought, okay, they got this And Tyus Jones. I felt was in full control all game long. He had, I won't, it's not his best game of the season. Cause he's had some really good games, but this is a top, top 10 game for Tyus on the season. Um, that ball just moves so crisp when he's in the game. Teague, actually, I found out, I seen uh, Dave Benz tweeted 
this morning that Teague actually had uh, had a little bit of an injury and told coach, hey, let Tyus keep running it. So, you know, that time for Tyus at the end was key. He played exceptionally well. Wiggins bounces back, goes nine for 20. He has 21 points on the night and Towns grabs 19 boards. So that is nice to see, refreshing to see that he dominated against the team that he should. And that's how this type of game is supposed to go for the Wolves as Butler makes his uh, return into the starting lineup. Yeah, this this uh, it, it's glad to have him back. And it was cool to see how he announced he was coming back. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, one of the, it was on Instagram. One of the uh, somebody, a fan responded to a, a commented on a Wolves picture and said, is Jimmy Butler going to play tonight? And Jimmy actually commented on the picture and said that he was playing tonight. Yeah, so that I was, like that. That was that was pretty that was cool. cool to see. Um, so Wolves in that stretch uh, go two and two. Not the greatest, but given the competition, I think I'll absolutely take it. If given who you were missing, I think it's pretty solid. Yep. Let's look ahead to the Wolves week upcoming. So uh, again, we record a little bit earlier than when the show airs Monday night against the Atlanta Hawks in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, then they go back to back. They have to go from Georgia to Canada and play the Toronto Raptors at the air Canada center. Then they come home for the premiere of the city jerseys, the all gray jerseys taking on uh, Giannis and the Milwaukee bucks and a Saturday night game against the new Orleans Pelicans. So four games guys, let's break down real quick here. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks game thoughts. Well, I'm just going to say it based on the teams that you just mentioned. I think we're going to go three and one. I think we're going to lose to the Raptors. I think that's, I think that's a fair stretch. I'm 100% in agreement on this. I don't think we need to spend too much time on it. No. What are you thinking, Aaron? Two and two. I think, uh, who are we losing to Raptors and the bucks Mm. outside of Giannis? There's nobody, nobody else on losing at home to the Bucks. on the bucks. That honestly scares me. And like, yes, let Giannis go off for 40, whatever. Nobody else on that team is getting anywhere close to like 15 points. So it doesn't concern. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, Let's uh, uh, let's get into our Iowa Wolves here quickly. A couple games here since we last recorded. Uh, They played the Rio Grande, uh, Rio Grande Valley Vipers. Uh, that was a, a tough game for the, uh, for the Iowa wolves here. Uh, it was a home game. They lose by 10 points, Rob. Yeah, it's a, it's unfortunate. You couldn't pull this one out. I will say this just in general for anyone that doesn't watch the Iowa wolves. You definitely should. The games are free. You can watch them on the, the G league Facebook page. And the reason why you really want to watch now is our first round pick from this year is just balling. Justin Patton in this game, 24 minutes, 17 points, nine rebounds, four assists. There's a reason why we've talked about him as kind of a Carl Towns light. And what he's starting to do now is he's starting to shoot threes. He's one of one from three in this game. The Iowa Wolves in general, they shoot a lot more threes than the Minnesota Timberwolves do. Uh, They struggled a bit from three in this game specifically, but they do shoot a lot of threes. Um, Anthony Brown, another guy that you always want to watch for. A guy that I really like, and I I mentioned this in past episodes, is Michael Bryson. He gets just 17 points in this game. 
But again, uh, recent two-way addition, Emil Jefferson, 22 points, 16 rebounds. So there's a reason why he leads the league in rebounding. I mean, he's just playing out of his mind. So it's a tough loss. You know, you, you lose by 10, 124 to 114. But overall, uh, Iowa's been playing some really good basketball lately. Yeah, you know, I've I seen a, a fair amount of the coverage on the Iowa Wolves. And I agree with you, Rob. Patton, the biggest improvement that I see, and I know this was one of my knocks from him earlier, was he's sped up everything. He gets to his moves and he makes a decisive uh, decision with the ball. He's, he's either engaging into his move or he's yep. kicking it out and facilitating in those three pointers. You're talking about his form is amazing. And we we've documented, you know, he had a, a severe, I don't know. Severe is the wrong word, a major growth spurt. Um, he used to be a point guard just yep. like towns. Um, so he's very comfortable shooting the three and I couldn't be more impressed from what I'm seeing from him. I think his game is really evolving and I'm looking forward to where he's going to develop and what he'll become. Yep. Agreed. So then we move on to the next game where we took on uh, the Texas legends and you know, one twelve, one Oh five is the win. If you haven't watched the highlights, um, they did post the highlights for the Justin Patton specific game. This is the 19 point game. Yep. This 19 points, 12 rebounds. Actually, in fact, both him and Emil Jefferson, 19 points, 12 rebounds. Uh, one of the big differences, of course, is when you look at the the two players, this is Justin Patton again, two of five from three. So he's clearly you know, stepping out. The two makes were corner threes. Obviously, that's going to be an easier shot to make. But just the fact that he's starting to take those shots, yeah, I think is big for the development. Another guy that we, we don't talk about a whole lot, but a player that's been really key to our success for this team, Elijah Millsap, 20 points, nine rebounds, three assists. So, I mean, overall, a good team effort. One, one, one thing here too, Rob, uh, in your uh, comparison of Jefferson and Patton, Patton played 17 less minutes. And they had the same points. Of yeah, rebounds. Emil Jefferson played 42 so minutes. That is absolutely crazy. And they took basically the same amount of shots in this game as well. So Patton's just so productive. I mean, uh, he's really coming around. So on the Texas side, real quick, I just want to talk about their standout in this game. Jonathan Motley from Baylor. Uh, guy put up a monster game, 27 points. Uh, he got 11 rebounds in this uh, couple or uh, an assist, a steal. I mean, overall, pretty balanced, 11 of 18 from the floor. And he he was really kind of the the, the main score on this. Uh, Jameel Warney was uh, next up in line, but good for the Iowa Wolves to bounce back and get a good win here against uh, against Texas. And the commenters talked about this, but so one of the guys that people would know that follow the NBA, Wade Baldwin is on this team. And they mentioned how he's a guy that just has been really up and down when he was in the NBA. He started jumping off the page um, his rookie season. I know, Aaron, you had him on your fantasy team, and, and he started off just solid. And all yeah, of a sudden, with the Grizzlies? It, yeah, it was just like he just went off a cliff. You just didn't see that productivity anymore. He, he just didn't play, and all, now you're sitting here, and he's, he's in the G League. Right, how the mighty have fallen. Yeah. I, you know, I was expecting big things from him. I remember the Grizzlies picked up. Uh, who were the two brothers with Kentucky, Rob? The Harrisons. Harrisons. Yep. And, Andrew and Aaron. And I can't remember. Is that it was Andrew? kind of the end of it for yeah, it was Andrew. Andrew came up, uh, played for the Grizzlies, and that was sort of the switch. Um, yep. But anyways, I I digress. 
So yeah. what, let's now we're going to move into uh, something I took part in yesterday. We actually uh, brought on Preston Ellis. I interviewed him, so we've got the recording now. Preston Ellis and me, we touch on everything from T-Wolves to trades, uh, but obviously there's a pretty big focus on DeMarcus Cousins and his injury, and then also looking at uh, the Orlando Magic and kind of what they have going on for that team and what the future holds for them as well. So uh, shout out again to Preston Ellis, and here's that interview. All right, here we are on Nothing But Net on Dash Radio. We are joined by Preston Ellis. Uh, Preston, thanks for joining us. Of course, man. Uh, first time guest. Thrilled to be on here, man. Yeah, definitely glad to have you. Uh, we're, we're pleased to have your multiple shows now on on the network, uh, whether it's you know Pelicans, which obviously you've been covering for a while, and then uh, you know your newest venture into the Orlando Magic market. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, for you guys listening, you can follow us at The Bird Rice, but the podcast is actually called The Bird Calls, and we just reached 70,000 downloads this week in our first season, so we're thrilled about that one. And the Orlando Magic one is called Do You Believe in Magic? And you can follow our site at orlandopinstripepost.com. We've only done about eight or nine episodes on that one, so that one's new. But if any of you are interested in the Pelicans or the uh, Orlando Magic, be sure to follow those two places. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and, and it's much, much, much listen. Because whether you like the Magic, whether you like the Pelican, you guys always have really good information regarding, you know, recent games, uh, you know, what we're going to talk about here, obviously, with the player injury. You guys are always up to date on that stuff, which is which is really cool. Yeah, we, we have a lot of great uh, inside sources over in New Orleans. You'll you'll see us talking to coaches. Uh, we'll talk to local reporters. We'll talk to some national media guys. We've spoken to some guys from the ringer in the past uh, few months. The Orlando Magic one is on the rise, and we've been talking to a lot of people in the area. Um, and it's it's a very exciting time to be an Orlando Magic fan because the trade deadline, they, they're a big-time seller, one of the top five sellers in the NBA right now. They're going to have a lot of moving pieces, so it's going to draw a lot of interest in the next two weeks. Yeah, you know, before we touch on the Pelicans, so what are your thoughts on the Magic? Are are there any players specifically you think or positions maybe they're going to target come trade deadline time? Well, they're not going to target anything specifically, you'd have to think, unless they take on some project for a project. Like, I don't know, I'm thinking like Dante Exum for Mario Hazonia, that sort of thing, you know, where where other teams are are taking a flyer on Hazonia and in exchange the Magic get to take a flyer on an Emmanuel Moutier or somebody that maybe has fallen out of favor, but he's still a young player with potential upside. That that could be uh, something that happens. But the Magic are really principally trying to offload salary at this point. Bismack Biombo is is immovable. Uh, He's still got two years and $34 million left. But somebody who's been rumored around the league to to have interest is Evan Fournier. And I'm not sure that anybody is willing to take on the remaining three years and 51 million, although the third year is a player option. You think he would opt in. I, I think it might take something more from the Magic to offload him, something like, a, I don't know, a, a second round pick at this point. I don't think anybody's going to take him straight up unless they gave back more bad salary just because it is such an inflated contract. But but you might see some guys moving like an Alfred Payton, like a Shelvin Mack. Mack is attractive because uh, he's only partially guaranteed next year at one million. So it's it's a quality expiring, and he can give you some valuable minutes uh, in the meantime. And Alfred Payton, if if you get the rights to him, he's a restricted free agent, and you have the opportunity to match any deal if you're high on him and you want to give him an opportunity going forward. And there are said to be teams out there that are interested in him, uh, maybe as a, a six man type player, a guy who can engineer the the second team offense, but. Uh, they're, they're not said to be interested in moving Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac. And those are the two big ones with, uh, the, the two big price tags on their, on their faces, but it would, it would take a, 
an out of the ballpark type number uh, because the the Magic are not are not ready to just restart the whole rebuilding process. Obviously, they're doing that to some degree, but they do have building pieces in Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac. And if they offloaded one of those two guys, man, it would just cause uh, anarchy in the city of Orlando. And uh, of course, they're they're disappointed to the the broken wrist of Nikola Vucevic because he was one player who was said to be a, a quality piece to move. He's just got one year and $12.5 million, and he is a valuable, valuable piece, especially offensively, and a great rebounder. So it's it's they're hopeful that he can come back at some point, but he's come out and said that he doesn't want to be traded, and they're so high on him, you'd think they wouldn't force him out unless he wanted to be. So it's definitely going to be interesting. There's, there's no telling who could move. Jonathan Simmons is another good one that I haven't mentioned. Uh, he's on a great quality contract, two years and – $13 million left. And he's a, he's a valuable guy off the bench. If not, he can, he can give you some minutes at three starting, uh, but he's a lot more valuable in, in limited time against bench units. Uh, but it, it should be exciting. There's no telling what could happen. It's said to be a, a quiet trade deadline, but uh, we've predicted that before and been very wrong. So we'll, we'll see what's going to happen. Yeah. It's so tough to gauge a young team. That's kind of embracing the rebuild. But like you said, you already have a couple nice pieces for the future in Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac. But as far as the magic are concerned, I've always felt like at least the way they're built right now, they have nice pieces, but they don't have a team. If that makes sense. You know, there's, there's, there's individual players that can do some nice things that you really appreciate. You mentioned uh, Mario Hazonia. That's a guy that it seems like he's very polarizing with a lot of magic fans. When it comes to him, they just, it's almost like they, they think of him as just this huge disappointment. And I can understand that. Although uh, he's one of those guys that when he plays the Wolves as our specific team, he always finds a way to contribute to uh, us losing, of course. But I, I always feel like there's just a number of players on the team that are good players. But when it comes to the team dynamic, you just don't see the success. Yeah, under Scott Skiles, uh, you you saw Mario Hazonia as a starting two guard and uh, as a three. And uh, you got to credit Frank Vogel because he he gave him minutes at the four. And a lot of us uh, scratched our heads at the time, but he's he's been very valuable coming off the bench as a four. Uh, he's not shy about shooting the ball. He's gotten better defensively. You know, he's only, I want to say, 22 years old at this point. So he, he's still just a, you know, a, a caterpillar on it on his way to becoming a butterfly. Now, what kind of butterfly he's going to look like? Um, that's that's hard to tell at this point, but he is an NBA player. And that's that's saying a lot in terms of what we were saying this offseason. This offseason, nobody was willing to unload a second round pick, which is all it would have taken to get him and the rights to his uh, his qualifying year. But the, the magic passed on that. And you'd have to think they're regretting that at this point. Uh, so, so he will be an unrestricted free agent. If somebody wants to take a flyer on him and give up an expiring or, um, I don't know, maybe like a, a lightly protected second round pick, they can, they can have him. And, uh, that's, that's not saying nothing because Mario Hazonia has been, I don't have his numbers in front of me, but ever since, uh, he's, he's been in the starting lineup in the past, I want to say, uh, six weeks, he's been averaging around 13 points at 47% shooting something like 39% from three. He's been playing better defense and he gives you the occasional uh, highlight bonehead play. Like when he was uh, four on one and he tried to go between his legs and threw a turnover. So uh, definitely an entertaining guy, but one who is very young and a guy who's getting better. So if a team is willing to be patient, they, they might get a, I don't know, a, a seventh player in a rotation, maybe an eighth player in a rotation, but somebody who can definitely contribute to, to a good team. Yeah, like you said, he's definitely proven to be an NBA player. It's just kind of finding the right fit for him. The the other name you mentioned, and this is a guy we're a big fan of. So so last offseason, we did a free agent kind of NCAA style tournament on our show. 
And it came down to, for the Wolves, two players, Patty, uh, Patty Mills from the Spurs. And then the other guy is the guy you mentioned, Jonathan Simmons. We've been a big fan of his. Do you think that's a guy they will look to unload then? I mean, it depends on what they're going to get back because they obviously are very high on him too. He, he, he fits the mold of the player. Like, you know, we talk about Jeff Weltman trying to put his stamp on the franchise and John Hammond trying to put his stamp on the franchise. And right now that stamp is just Sheldon Mack on a very uh, cap friendly deal. He's only guaranteed, like I said, 1 million uh, next year. He's got 6 million on the books, but that all falls apart if they don't pick up his option, which you'd have to think at this point that they won't. Other than that, the only guy that they, they, brought in was Jonathan Simmons on an incredibly attractive three-year $20 million contract. And he's just, he's got two years of that left and he's, he's a valuable piece. He's an aggressive guy. He's a try hard guy. He's a team first guy. And he was playing exceptionally well, having the best season of his career when he was coming off the bench in a six man role, since he's been inserted into the starting lineup, it's uh, it's been a bit precarious. And uh, a lot of us in Orlando have been calling to move him back to the bench and put Mario Hazonia in the starting lineup, Frank Vogels had had yet to pull that trigger, but Simmons has been better this month. So we'll see what happens, but he's definitely a valuable guy, definitely on a great deal. And there's definitely a lot of teams that could, that could use that type help. And uh, one being the new Orleans Pelicans, my, my other squad. So they'll, they'll definitely gauge the interest, but I think it would take at least a first round pick to move him um, because they do like having him in Orlando. And I, I think he sets the tone for the team they want to be going forward. Yeah, and that's the tough thing about a trade for, in this example, Jonathan Simmons. First-round picks are just such a commodity now with how the salary cap is obviously not. It didn't raise to the level that people were expecting. So that's made a big difference. And you talk about, like, Bismarck Biombo, a, a guy the Wolves have, Gorgie Jang. Some of these contracts are, are almost unmovable unless you're willing to give up, like, a first-round pick. But, but then you're giving up a future asset. So. Like you said, it's going to be tough for them to find a good match if they do try to move Jonathan Simmons. So who knows what will actually happen there. Uh, you mentioned your other team, though, the Pelicans. Uh, kind of give us a rundown of what you think is going to happen going forward. Obviously, Cousins with that ruptured left Achilles. I mean, you look at how productive he was being this season, having statistically probably the best season of his career. What are they going to do going forward to try to you know, make up for that loss of production? Before we talk about the future, I just want to give DeMarcus Cousins some credit. Not only was it the best year of his career, he was averaging over 25, 13 rebounds and over five assists. Any player who has done that ever has won the most valuable player award. And there's only four of those guys who have ever hit those numbers. So he was, he was not just in a career best trajectory, but an all time best level trajectory. The last three weeks, not only was he doing all the things that we've all lauded over the years, you know, the offense, the rebounding, the athleticism, uh, and by athleticism, I mean, just like driving a, a bigger defender, another center from the three point line, all the way to the cup with his spin moves, combination of finishing that sort of stuff. But but the stuff that he was criticized for, and this is what I, I really want to push forward, the the coach killing, the cancer in the locker room, all these awful titles that he's been giving, the the technical fouls, the guy who doesn't try hard. Well, the past three weeks, he was trying very, very hard. You even had Justin Barrier at the ringer say that uh, not only did he not belong in the starting lineup of the All-Star game, you could argue he didn't belong in the game itself. And when you think about you know, those those clips of him not hustling back on defense, the complaining to the officials, you can definitely give credence to that. But the problem is, in the past three weeks, that hasn't been the, the player who's played for the New Orleans Pelicans. This guy has bought in defensively, try hard, complaining less, running up and down the court. The Pelicans have won 8 of 9, 9 of 11. Uh, the Bulls, when he scored 44, 24, and, and 10, and four steals, 
the last 733 of that game, the Pelicans were trailing by 18, and he and Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday just decided they weren't going to let the Bulls score anymore. And the same thing with the Rockets, the thing that's 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 so, uh, I don't want to say depressing, devastating about his injury was he did it trying hard. He did it trying to get an offensive rebound following his own free throw miss. What happens if he makes that free throw and doesn't chase down that board? But he just he just shows you the kind of player that he can be. Now, with that being said, with all of this happening and now his his potential five year, one hundred seventy six million dollar contract that you'd have to assume was a was a lock with the New Orleans Pelicans. That's potentially out the, out the window at this point. You'd have to think they bring him back on a on a one year prove it max level contract, maybe a one plus one, maybe a, a two year deal if they're being nice, because that would get him to his tenth uh, veteran year, and that would get him to his possible super max extension, which we all saw. Um, it's it's basically the Russell Westbrook Steph Curry five year two hundred seven million dollar deal. Uh, but now with things that the way that they are, not only is his future in flux. The franchise is in flux. This is a team that's never won. You've got a 92-year-old owner who's got grandkids fighting over ownership. He's got his third wife, Rita, who does live in New Orleans. But, you know, if if something should happen and Seattle comes in with a $3 billion deal, this was the closest the New Orleans Pelicans have ever been to mattering in New Orleans. And just, just the way that the game crested with us beating the second best team in the world in in front of guys like Eric Gordon, Trevor Ariza, Chris Paul, um, and Ryan Anderson, all these former Hornets and former Pelicans on ESPN in the Smoothie King Center on a Friday night, coming in, having won seven of eight, the electricity in that arena for it all to fall apart. Now everything changes because Dell Demps and Alvin Gentry were on Prove It last year's of their deal. And now, even if the Pelicans should, you know, squeak in as an eighth seed, they'd have to win 14 of their last 20. That seems unlikely. Even if they should do that, it's not it's not going to be enough. And now you're in this position where you have to unload salary and offload picks in order to get some kind of talent back. You know, a lot of people are talking about Dwayne Dedman, Nerlens Noel, Andrew Bogut as a potential buyout candidate. In order to get these guys, you're going to have to offload salary. You're going to have to give up picks. And in order to do that, I, I just don't think they have the leash to do that at this point. Uh, being, you know, eight years now, Dell Demps has been in New Orleans and he's only had two playoff finishes, one and eight seed where they finished two and four against the Los Angeles Lakers. No, that was a seven seed, excuse me. And then an eighth seed against the Warriors just two years ago, where, of course, they were swept for nothing. Another eighth seed sweep doesn't get it done at this point. And I don't think there's a first round pick. I don't think there's a trade out there that gets you enough, a building block going forward. That's that's worth it to Mickey Loomis to allow Dell Dems to mortgage their future. Like you guys probably all know, the Pelicans don't have a single first round pick on their roster, not named Anthony Davis. They they just haven't haven't been uh, smart with their picks. They've offloaded them at every opportunity and now they're stuck. And now it's, it's probably going to cost them their jobs. And is it fair? No, the best, the best we can hope for in new Orleans is buyout candidates probably, or, or some kind of, I don't know, lucky break where somebody like Dallas is fed up with Nerlens Noel. And maybe they do us a solid and let us, you know, have them for a second round pick. And we offload something like a Dante Cunningham and Jameer Nelson. We have to give them back expirings. There's no way anybody's going to take Alexis Agenza or Omar Ashik for less than a first round pick. And I just don't think Mickey Loomis lets Dell do that, um, be that frivolous with our picks. So the best we can hope for at this point is that somebody sees available playing time on a contending level team that's, you know, like I said, one nine of 11, like an Andrew Bogut. And he says, you know what? There's minutes available. I can go in for that playoff team, get myself on national television and perhaps get myself one more great big deal before I retire. Greg Monroe, another buyout candidate, Vince Carter, another buyout candidate. So that's what the Pelicans have to hope for at this point. Yeah, I think you're right. At this stage, buyout candidates are one of the best options. Because like you said, they have a lot of 
money invested in guys that no one are going to take. No one's going to take unless you're throwing out a first round pick, which teams aren't just willing to do. And and that's understandable. That's such a hot commodity in the NBA. Now it's really tough to unload those big name contracts. Uh, you mentioned Dante Cunningham. As far as Wolves are concerned, that was a guy we really were hoping would come here. Uh, I'm a big Dante Cunningham fan from when he was with us uh, a few years ago to now. I mean, he's really improved his game even just in those few years. Uh, he's a player I really appreciate. I think he's very underrated when it comes to uh, you know NBA players. I don't know that he always gets the credit. I mean, he's not a big minutes guy. You're not having him in there playing you know 30, 35 minutes, but you know, the 15 or so minutes, 20 minutes you're going to get from him has been really solid. Uh, you're right. I think if you mentioned Nolan's Noel, for example, I think a team like the Mavericks, maybe take a, a good veteran like Dante Cunningham, something like that. I know here, our local insiders have talked about how the Wolves in recent weeks had gone after Nolan's Noel. So he's obviously available. There's a reason why they didn't offer him a, a big money contract. And if you could get a guy like Nerlens Noel, I just think that would really soften the blow. I mean, he's injured currently, but if you could get him, like you said, for a second round pick, I mean, that's, that would be a nice option. Just someone that can at least contribute and help soften that blow of losing cousins for the season. Well, you guys are welcome to have Dante Cunningham because he's been terrible this season. And obviously in New Orleans, we were very excited to get him back this offseason. We really wanted him. We needed those backup four minutes. We needed somebody who could play the three with the torn hamstring to Solomon Hill. But to be quite honest, he's been absolutely terrible this year. We joke on Twitter every time he's put in with the defensive lineups in crunch time, he immediately allows a layup. He's shooting 31% from three this season. Last year, he was at 39%, and he doesn't take very many. We have these famous clips of him having three corner threes in a row and bricking all of them. Uh, he doesn't contribute anything rebounding. We, we like to call him alligator arms. Uh, he scores <laughs> four points a game. But but you you are right. Last season, he he gave the energy and the, the corner three shooting. He, that's, that's a problem. He does nothing beyond stand in the corner on offense and wait for a three. And then he usually passes them up. He only takes 1.3 a game in over 20 minutes. Um, So he he had a stat line, I want to say three games ago of like 28 minutes, zero points, one rebound, zero assists. It's just shocking that he just can't collect anything when he's on the court for that substantial amount of time. But he's been somebody who's really hurt the Pelicans this season because they really need those minutes from him. They need a quality depth guy. And the only quality depth guy they have at this point is Darius Miller. And now they're in this position where they have to start either Dante Cunningham at the four and put AD at the five, or they have to start Ashik. And both of these guys, you could argue the way they've been playing with the Pelicans this season, don't belong on an NBA roster. So if some team wanted to come in and get Dante, I'm I'm sure he'd be available at this point, especially at that. Uh, I think it's $3.3 million cap level. The, the Pelicans are so close to the dead cap. They're just 1.1 million away from it. They don't have flexibility to bring, bring in anybody, even if they wanted to. But if somebody just took Dante into their space, that would give them $4.4 million of breathing room. And that alone could be very attractive to a bio candidate because they still have 5 million of their mid-level exceptions. So they could offer somebody almost $5 million to play the remaining 34 games of the season. And that, that could potentially be huge to bring in a guy like the guys we previously mentioned. Yeah. You know, you're right. Uh, Dante had such a down year and it still surprises me, but I wonder if there's some sort of a match you kind of have to find it another team that has someone that maybe just needs to change the change the scenery. So yeah. let's look at the wolves, for example. Uh, you know, I'm a big Dante Cunningham fan in the past, but like you said, he struggled in New Orleans this year, big difference from last year. You wonder if, if you could go with like, obviously this is just spitballing, but something like we'll take Dante, 
we'll throw you guys Shabazz Muhammad as a, as a bench piece. Uh, Shabazz is one of my favorite players, but just he has not been able to do much in Minnesota. Now, granted, he's not getting the minutes, but when he does get minutes, he struggles. Very similar to your issue with uh, Dante Cunningham. So a player like that, where maybe a couple guys just need to change the scenery, and if, if Dante can contribute to a playoff team, maybe maybe he finds a way to find a new level. It's, it's tough to say because the Pelicans have been so good. You'd think he'd find that way to contribute. I mean, historically... Dante's been a guy that's been really good defensively. And like you mentioned last year, you shot well from the three and he just hasn't had it this season. So maybe a change of scenery is something they need. And maybe there's, maybe there's a willing partner out there. It's tough to say. Yeah. Uh, I know that uh, Muhammad has another year. I don't know if that's a player option or a team option. I know the Pelicans are not interested in taking on any more salary at all because they're going to need all of it to bring back boogie. Isn't that hilarious? What a, what a pickle they're in now um, with their future going forward. They've got so much money tied into Solomon Hill, Omar Ashik, Alexis Agensa, Anthony Davis, and Drew Holiday's cap number of $25 million isn't that bad in itself, but he's also got another $25 million in incentives built into his contract, and unfortunately, you have to account for those maybe dollars whenever you reach your salary cap threshold. So even though he's only technically making $25 million, uh, according to the cap sheet, he's actually making $30 million. It's confusing stuff. Uh, we're, we're trying our best to figure it out ourselves. But sure. at, at least at least Muhammad would buy another $1.8 million in space, which could be enough to, to I don't know, make it attractive to somebody like Andrew Bogut. Maybe the difference between $1 million and $3 million is all it takes to get him uh, playing starter-level minutes in New Orleans. So I, I definitely know that Dell Demps is furiously on the phone at this point because he's got two weeks, essentially, to save his job. Uh, so if, if he sleeps a minute between now and then, um, that's on him. What have your thoughts been uh, this season on Drew Holiday? Obviously, last offseason, you guys didn't really have a choice given your cap situation. That was the guy you had to bring in because you could obviously with him, you're able to you know sign him going over and there wasn't a lot of options. So this is what you had to do. What have your thoughts been as far as bringing him back this season? I was one of his harshest critics going into this offseason. I didn't understand the contract at all. I was thinking somewhere around five years, $90 million. And the the only real competition for Drew Holiday was the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Indiana Pacers. And as soon as the Wolves signed Jeff Teague, I, I just didn't see a universe in, in which Victor Oladipo, or sorry, Victor Oladipo hadn't been traded uh, at, at, as of that moment. But just based on the cap flexibility that the Pacers had, they couldn't have offered him beyond like four years and 75 million. And I was like, is that really enough to prime away? If he, if he was pried away at that point, he just didn't want to stay, but the Pelicans knew they had to overpay him because the Pelicans just aren't winners. It's not a great culture. It's not a great basketball town. So that they gave him a lot more than they needed to. And we criticized Del Demps for that because he was absolutely awful in the 25 games he played with DeMarcus Cousins last year. And really with the first 12 games he played this year with Boogie, it wasn't until Rajon Rondo got into the lineup that he really started shooting better. And now not only has his defensive level uh, written to all NBA, uh, but offensively, he's just gotten better and better. The first month of the year, he was 45%, then 46 then 53 in December, and now he's 52, like I said, 57% from two-point range, which is a career high for him. He's fallen off a cliff from three-point range, but he's only shooting, uh, let's say, about four of those a game. So while that number needs to rise, at 21 points per game, at five assists and five rebounds, a lockdown defender defensively, if he's playing in the East right now, he's potentially an all-star. It's between him and Oladipo, but uh, he's just bounced back in such a monumental way, and nobody could be more excited about it 
than than the Pelicans fans because we were terrified. This five year, one hundred and fifty million dollar incentive contract was just the end of the franchise. I mean, at that point, you can't get out of that contract until. 2022 it's immovable nobody's going to take a you know a, a point guard slash combo guard who gives you 15 points a game for 30 million dollars a year so we thought we were stuck to watch him bounce back and not only bounce back but have a career year man it's just been something to behold and in in crunch time uh he's just been automatic the past three weeks part of this nine games out of 11 streak you have to give a large portion of it to him because when, when you talk about the clutch scores, DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis, no, it's been Drew Holiday. It's been Drew Holiday who's gotten them the buckets and the mid-range game and the floater that they needed, taking these bigs off the dribble. He has been so crucial to the Pelicans' success, and, and nobody's more surprised about it than I am. Yeah, you mentioned you know the recent run of success. If you look at some of his games, 31 points, 27 points, 25 points, and on top of that, you're talking you know seven dimes eight assists, you know, he's getting, you know, two, three, four steals a game. I mean, you're getting everything you'd want from a guy that you really had to overpay at that time. So uh, definitely you're starting to see the true holiday that, you know, we used to get a few years ago where you're thinking this is one of the top point guards in the league, you know, prior to some of these injuries he's had, it's nice to, for the Pelicans to finally see that production match the kind of money he's being paid. Um, let's let me move into here to uh, next week's matchup. Uh, obviously, uh, next Saturday, you guys are coming here to play the Wolves. Uh, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Obviously, being down Cousins, that's going to make it tough. But who do you think needs to step up uh, for you guys to get a win there? I mean, on any given night, the Pelicans can beat anybody because they've got Anthony Davis. Um, and when Anthony Davis goes toe to toe with Carl Anthony Towns, uh, he, he usually uh, puts the spotlight on himself and, and he takes the young man to task. And the two guys love, they relish playing against each other. And it's exciting to watch. With that being said, the Wolves have had the Pels number this year and the Pelicans haven't been able to stop them. No matter how well they're playing, they always manage to, to let it go at the end. Um, but this is an important time for the Pelicans. We're really going to learn so much about these Pelicans today against the Clippers. We're going to see how much fight is left in them, what that bench, that depth can can possibly contribute. By the time we get to the Wolves next week, we'll we'll, we'll have a lot more questions answered. But you know, you you love seeing uh, Drew Holiday matched up with Jimmy Butler with Jeff Teague. That's that's always something that's going to be exciting. Like I said, Anthony Davis against Carl Anthony Towns. They're probably going to put a second body on him, whether it's. Gorgie Dang or Bialitsa or, or some big guy just to just to make Anthony Davis get rid of the ball. And then you've got to rely on shooters. Darius Miller and Etwan Moore have been two of the best 10 shooters in the NBA this season. Uh, Darius Miller has been a very pleasant surprise. He's been automatic from three. Not only that, he has this new game where he can put the ball on the floor and take a deep mid-range jumper. And it's 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 sexy. It's beautiful. It goes in every time. Whenever he takes that shot, I'm just sure it's going to go in. Uh, he's just become a very dynamic s- scorer, and his game is expanding. So those are two guys you're going to have to hope. You're going to have to hope Jameer Nelson can. He's been he's been in and out lately this season. He was hot the first two weeks with the Pelicans, and um, he's been more liability than anything else. Not just defensively, but he's also fallen off in shooting. And after that, there's just there's just not a lot to point to. Ian Clark comes in and out of the lineup. Uh, he gets DNPs, and then all of a sudden he's giving you crunch time minutes a week later. Hopefully we'll get Tony Allen back uh, before the Wolves game. He's been out for about eight weeks. He had a setback, but hopefully we'll have him back by then. We definitely need his energy, and we definitely need his minutes. And Solomon Hill is said to come back in February. Um, if there's any chance of the Pelicans salvaging their season, they're definitely going to need him, and they're going to need him to play some four, and he's going to have some interesting matchups. He's a guy... 
that could really frustrate somebody like an Andrew Wiggins. Because right now the Pelicans don't have a guy to slow down Andrew Wiggins. You saw what he did to Etwan Moore. I think they had to pull Etwan Moore four minutes in and put him back to his natural position at the two. And then they put Dante Cunningham on Andrew Wiggins. And that's another minus for the Pelicans offensively. Plus uh, Dante Cunningham is, is prone to... Uh, to mental lapses, uh, lack of awareness on the defensive side of the floor. So it's it's going to be tough, but really you're just going to have to hope for an explosive game from Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis and and just the bench doing just enough uh, to frustrate the Wolves. We've been playing a lot better defensively. Uh, we've been top 10 in the past three weeks. So if we can limit the Wolves scoring and get just enough scoring from our guys like Darius Millers um, and the Etwan Moores in addition to the Drew Holiday and the Anthony Davis, there might be a chance. but um, like I said, we're we're really going to find out who these Pelicans are today against the Clippers. If they come out with fight and they win this game, then then the Timberwolves need to to take watch. But I think what we're all afraid of is that they just don't have enough able bodies to play basketball. And if they lose this one, the Clippers, then you've got the Kings on Tuesday. If they manage to lose that one, then you've got the Thunder. After the Wolves, you've got the Jazz, the Pacers. The the Pelicans could find themselves out of this playoff loop very quickly. And you're right. It doesn't take much in the West. There's so many good teams, whether it's, you know, these rebuilding teams that just find ways to win, like the Kings that put, you know, young guys that are going to put up a really big fight. But you talked about the Clippers, you know, we just played them recently and every single night you get a hundred percent from Blake Griffin. It's always a tough matchup. You mentioned the Thunder, you know, the Thunder just had uh, Robertson get that injury. So, you know, that might be a, a game where you can, you can take one cause they've been pretty inconsistent, but you're right. A lot of it's going to, you know, be shown this week what you guys are going to have going forward. You'll obviously kind of get a feel for what the rotations are going to be. And I think from a coaching aspect, that's always tough when you lose arguably your best player, you got to find ways to match that production, whether it's with, you know, two, three guys, whether it's with you know four guys, depending on you know who steps up, obviously it's going to be tough, but you're right. I think we'll have a better idea of where you guys are at come next Saturday's game. The goofy thing about next Saturday's game is obviously it's the Super Bowl weekend. It's going to be an interesting mishmash of, of crowd at the Wolves game. Uh, my understanding is it's pretty much already a sellout. I don't know how many of those people are Wolves fans, though. You might have a lot of out-of-market guys that just want to go see the game prior to the Super Bowl. So you're definitely going to get an interesting fan base for next Saturday's game. But in, in terms of just what the Wolves have to offer versus what the Pelicans have, like you said, Anthony Davis always finds a way to bring it. And and one of the things you, that, whether it's Cousins, whether it's Davis, whenever we play really talented big men, the Carl Towns matchup always seems to come to the forefront because he has a tendency to sometimes get upset or he gets rattled real easily. And if you can rattle Towns with Anthony Davis, maybe get him in foul trouble, which, you know, in past games against the Pelicans, that's been an issue. That's, I think that's one of the ways you guys could maybe find a way to squeak something out. But like you said, this week's going to kind of tell us everything we need to know. Yeah. And one guy I did forget to mention, DeAndre Liggins is currently on the on the back end of a 10 day contract. You'd have to think he gets a second one. He's definitely somebody that's going to get a, a heavy workload on Andrew Wiggins and Jimmy Butler. They're going to try everything they can to slow those guys down because they did take such advantage of the Pelicans last time. And the Pelicans just can't afford to get down uh, double digits early because right now all they have is 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 motivation and effort. Uh, they don't have talent. They don't have depth. They, they have to stay in it. They have to keep motivated. They have to keep hungry because if, if somebody like the Wolves, and, and that's a nice advantage, and I'm glad that I know that, that it's going to be a mixed crowd because, you know, with, with the current streak the Wolves have been on, I think they were like 12-3 and three from mid-December to early January at one point with 
with that winning percentage, if, if, if their crowd is behind them and they get up double digits early, that, that might be all it takes to, to bury this Pelicans team. So definitely going to need to keep it tight. Definitely going to need Deandre Liggins to play out of his body and, and slow down those two uh, critical scores for the wolves. And who knows? Um, obviously, the the bets are are against the Pelicans on every game going forward, minus maybe the Sacramento Kings. But one thing you can guarantee on is that Anthony Davis will play well. Drew Holiday will play well. And in the next two weeks, these guys are going to try, but uh, the, the odds are long against them. I mean, as a Wolves fan, you know, I, I don't look for other teams' success, but you never hope for injuries. So, you know, we wish DeMarcus Cousins a speedy recovery because if you're going to play teams, you always want to play them at their best just to kind of see where you're at. So, again, we wish you for a speedy recovery. Uh, thanks again, Preston, for joining us here. Uh, this is really appreciated. It was nice to kind of look at the Pelicans going forward, kind of take a glance at the game coming up, and we appreciate you taking uh, time out of your day. No, I appreciate it. Everybody can follow us at the bird rights and at Orlando pinstripe post. Uh, I hope I wasn't too much of a downer. Like I said, things, things are rough in new Orleans right now. Every, it, it was one of those scenarios where after the game, nobody wanted to talk to each other. Even the next morning, uh, most of the, the major websites in new Orleans didn't post anything. And if they did post anything, it was just, Hey, we wish the best for DeMarcus cousins. We, we couldn't get a, a recap out of most of the guys in our area. It's just, it's it's a tough time to be a Pelicans fan, and man, if they can get a win against the Clippers today, then then the Wolves have a, a lot to be serious, a lot to be concerned about because uh, it it could be one of the better underdog stories going forward. Uh, Bill Simmons calls it the Ewing theory. Uh, if if the Pelicans can manage to to come to life and get a buyout candidate like an Andrew Bogut, look out this this could become a, a national media type spotlight story. But uh, like I said, the odds are long against that. But but thank you so much, Rob. It's been a blast, and I'm willing to come on here anytime you guys want. We appreciate it. Thanks again. You got it. Once again, a huge thank you to Preston Ellis for the interview with Rob. And uh, again, check out his shows on Dash Radio. Definitely some good content there. Uh, coming up, quarter two is our talker segment. We've got a lot to cover and very little time to do so. So we're going to just jam pack everything at you. Uh, but first, uh, some Chris Wu with 18, Lil Uzi Vert, The Way Life Goes, and it's the remix featuring Nicki Minaj. We got some intermission music for you here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. This is The Howl.
Tell your check I like it. Take it on my like And I'm always stacking paper, but my name ain't Michael. Got a crib and end up with touching like the Eiffel. I could get a number if I put it on my right. Yeah, got yellow chick. Told me that she like my fit. When I take her out to dinner, man, the chicken getting split. Don't look like I'm getting thinner with the chicken and the ribs. Man, your bitch is what I said. One day I saw I got the kiss. Don't say my name, I never wanna breathe yo air. Cooking cool late, there's just some shit you don't compare. I got an ace ray and I just saw my old girl. That she was my ex, baby. Now I really just don't care. I'm so tired, but my mind is racing. Fight with me, you see what kind of problems you'll be facing. Friday 13th, I'll make you look like you met Jason. Like a damn female popping, just what I've been craving. All these eyes be on me, but I still be Looking 
like it's a heist. I've been winning all my life on the road. It's a guy since that itty bitty picky. Rub my city like committees. If you fucked it up with Nikki, you feel pretty fucking shitty. Uh, anyway, I'm stopping bags like the TSA. Listen up, you little bitches. It's a PSA. I'm still shaking all these niggas. Yeah, the beat away. You gotta pay me flat bread. Yeah, the beat away. I know you're sad and tired. You got nothing left to give. You'll find another life to live. I know that you'll get over it. Wish I never, ever, ever told you things. I was only, only trying to show you things. I stopped heart on your neck, tried to froze your ring. I had to get me a new bitch to hold the pain. We was in Hawaii looking at the rain. Yeah, she's smiling happy, but I'm laughing cause I'm Madeline. That's true, that right She's sipping one wet and yeah, I swear I get her wet My loop but that's new, so my bottom say it's red No, I'm not a rat, but I'm all up on my chest Just talk to your homie, she said we should be together Gave me brain was so insane that I made her my head If she ever call my phone, you know I got a dad But I like that girl too much, I wish I never met Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. This is our general NBA, WNBA, and Timberwolves segment where we give you all of the latest news. Uh, we are going to start tonight, though, with one of our new and favorite segments. This is the Howl Hot Takes, brought to you by Rob Hess. Yeah, there's lots of good ones this week. 
So we'll start off. Uh, here's a good one. Is this where we like insert the f- crackle fire? <laughs> sound? Yeah, pretty much. So, and we'll we'll touch on this a little bit, possibly at the end of quarter two. But so, I watched. I talked about this in, in quarter one. I watched the Clippers TV announcers, and I thought they were terrible. So I, I tweeted out, Clippers TV announcers are awful. They kept calling Marcus George's hunt Shabazz Muhammad, and then they kept calling Bialica. They would call him Bialica. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Who's Bialica? If you're a professional, how do you not actually take the time to learn guys' names? Yeah, for for the record, I actually did some play-by-play uh, when I was in radio out in Montana, which is a very large Indian reservation land out there, and so I did a lot of those games. That's the one thing that you honestly have to know because people will walk up to you afterwards when they recognize you and they're like, Hey, it's actually this, like you will get corrected on the spot if you don't know. So it's one of the things that a play-by-play announcer needs to do. And they don't do it. If you don't know, ask the question. So here's, so I, the the icing on the cake was, they said, Jimmy Butler's not an all-star, but Lou Williams is. Like, it's fine if you think Lou Williams is an all-star. He's been great, and I understand that. And if he's the guy that comes in now that Cousins is out, I get that too. But Boy, he's not in, gonna. In, over Jimmy Butler, not a chance. But here's here's where the the hot take comes in. So clearly a Clippers fan, uh, at binboy92, Tim Hiley is his name. He goes, the Clippers announcers are the best in the biz, and Lou Williams should be an all-star lock. Dragged this G League side for most of the year to 500. I'd have him instead of Clay, but Lou over Jimmy's fine too. Like the best Ish. in the biz, Minnesota's announcers are the best in the biz, and it's not close. I, I think I have a bigger issue with Lou over Jimmy because, I mean, isn't Jimmy in the national conversation for MVP right now with a bunch of writers? What's crazy like, is like, what? Lou Williams for me had. It was like season was going great. Lou Williams stock on the rise. And then he gets snubbed from the first initial all-star puts out, you know, in traditional NBA Twitter fashion, the generic woes me tweet, right? Everybody. Oh yeah. 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 You, you, you're an all-star, you know, in the heart, blah, blah, blah. And then sure enough, when the team captains pick their picks, he puts out another tweet, like something like, you know, what's worse than getting, you know, burned once, but two times. And it's like, my goodness. Right. You know, we can only feel so bad for you, bud. And to, you know, really beg for the attention. It gets old quick. The icing on the cake here from this guy, this Tim, he goes, Ralph Lawler is the best in the biz and a consummate professional. People do occasionally make mistakes, deal with it, except for he's then not a consummate professional, because if you're a professional, you don't, not learn people's names like take the five seconds think about jim uh jim peterson and dave benz dave benz has literally gone up to players and said how how do you want me to pronounce your name that's that's what that's what the professionals do uh for anyone that watches the nhl doc he's gone up to minnesota wild players and specifically said how would you like me to say your name that's what a professional does they don't just guess and then go on national television and say it wrong so that's our first uh, of the hot takes, but we, we've definitely got a few more. Uh, hit, hit it was a good week. Takes. It was hit a good with week. the hot takes, Rob. This is great. If Draymond Green is an all-star, then Lonzo Ball got robbed. This is from at Lake Show Yo. And it's like, defense matters. So does being able to shoot the basketball. Lonzo Ball is not an all-star. Like, and there, some of their statistics are similar, which obviously that's why he points this out. But come on, man. 
you can't even compare the two in terms of efficiency and defense. It's not even close. What kind of a, I mean, that's a crazy Homer take. Yeah, it is. Absolute Homer take. I just, I just think that's absolutely ridiculous. Hit him with the hot takes. Hit him with the hot takes. These are good, right? Get that fire crackling. So this is kind of a, I enjoy, this is someone calling out Kevin Durant. So Kevin Durant, for anyone that isn't aware of this, Kevin Durant says on Clint Capella, he goes, you hear that from guys like Capella, who's usually catching the ball or laying it up from CP or Harden. His job just isn't as hard. I mean, when your job is that hard, you don't say shit like that. Yeah, because your job's real hard, Kevin Durant, right? Come on, seriously? Is this even a thing? So like, is that is that the hot take? Yeah, how do you say that? And someone calls him out. Uh, but I, I just, how can he claim that his job is difficult? He, what are, we even, what are we even doing here? You know what I mean? Right. Hit him with the hot take. Hit him with the hot take. Uh, just, just spin off that. Did you guys see last week, Kevin Durant? Um, he ripped the officiating. Oh yeah. And then he apologized afterwards because he watched the replays and he said, I'm a jerk. <laughs> yep, I'm a drama queen. <laughs> like I just, uh, it's, he's a guy that I just can't like. I, I, I just can't get behind liking Kevin Durant. I just don't like him. Snake. Yeah. Plain and simple snake. Hit him with the hot take. Um, Hit him with the hot take. Did you guys see the, the Chris Paul video? Where Steve Kerr walks oh, up yep. to Chris Paul, I laughed, at and then Chris so Paul like fake laughs, and then he turns and then he turns away from him, and it's just me speaking bugging. of players I do not like whatsoever. I can't stand Chris Paul. This is funny though. I I absolutely love this because this is, is funny. what this is what everybody loves but to like, see. Like Steve Kerr is a good dude. Like Chris Paul's not. Can we agree there? I just don't like Chris Paul. So if you haven't watched the video, um, it's it's all over Twitter. Just look up Chris Paul fake laugh, and you'll find it. So. Uh, to move on from this, so at theater threads, hit him with the hot take. Hit him with Simmons, the hot take. Roy. This is so players who started a game in the NBA Finals against MJ. So he lists them off. So Greg, <laughs> Greg Ostertag, Adam Keefe, like Frank Burkowski, my dude, Detlef like Schrempf, my dude, Dan Marley, Terry Teagle, Terry Porter, Byron Scott. His response: What a tough era. LeBron wouldn't last. Players who started an NBA Finals game versus LeBron. <laughs> Fabricio Alberto, <laughs> Deshaun Stevenson, Kendrick Perkins. It's like, what is this? Tiago Splitter, Boris Diaw, Andrew Bogut, Festus Azili, Zaza Pachulia. I mean, it's real easy if you just pick the crappy players on teams and go, yep, this is who they played against in the finals. Yeah. Really? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> Like we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green. Well, this Clay this Thompson, guy Andre this guy Udala. might be quite possibly the biggest bandwagoner. If you look at his banner, uh, he's got LeBron, Money Mayweather, and Tom Brady all holding trophies, and says the Patriots will win the next five Super Bowls. And MJ is a glorified Tony Allen who faced white plumbers. And and I like wow. this too. So this one guy goes. We're not comparing those players to the best players in the league. That's like me saying, you think Kendrick Perkins is making the team over Carl Malone? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's great. His point is, just, the one guy says, LeBron's played against more scrubs. That's what that's what they're debating. The whole thing is absolutely ridiculous, though. I, I just, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, there's, I know that LeBron has played some weaker teams, and I also get that Jordan has played some good teams, but there's no team that Jordan played against that was as good as the current warriors, but I don't care. You play against who you play against yep. I, the comparing eras, I think is a waste of time. 
Can we move on to the next one? Because this might be my favorite video on Twitter right now. Hit him with the hot takes. Hit him with the hot takes. Is this the RTMBA? Yeah. The retweet? Yep. Yes. Yes. What is this this woman doing? So the video, for those that don't know, are two women sitting courtside at a Clippers game. And Lou Williams is standing there. And the one on the right uh, basically starts looking at or is like just staring deeply into the butt of Lou Williams. And then she goes, she puts one <laughs> finger in her mouth into the butt <laughs> and just kind of makes a little like swoop. And then she looks at her friend with this like shit eating grin on her face. And the, the friend, her, friend good. her eyes just grow big, but she's kind of like, yeah, we get it. You did something that you thought was funny. Like, let's move on. This video is one if of you my haven't favorites. seen it. Um, the video we're, we're referencing, you can find it on at RTNBA. That's one place, but it's all over the place. Uh, in two days, 3.06 million views. So hilarious. Very popular. Love it. Absolutely hilarious. Um, but hit him with the, the last, hot takes. Hit him with the hot take. The last thing here is uh, from Sam Vassini. And I, I, to be honest, I don't know where he got this from. I believe it's an ESPN article, but in this article, they reference a, tra- a possible trade. And this is no joke. This is the trade. They say, so it's between the Cavs and the Bulls. The Bulls get Kevin Love, Iman Shumpert, and the Brooklyn pick. The Cavs get Miritich and, and Robin Lopez. <laughs> what are we even doing? And literally, Sam Bassini's reaction is, what happened here? That's asinine that that's a trade that someone would think is even possible. And it's funny. This seems like a high price for Miritich and Lopez, but hear me out. The second you say that to start it off, we're done. It's, he says that the Cavs would improve their shooting, their interior defense, and their payroll, and their chances of making back to the finals and upsetting the Warriors. Ugh. And while Love is a star and the Nets pick has a certain mystique, the actual value of both is less than meets the eye. Love is expensive, and the Nets pick is currently projected to just be number six, with only uh, Damian Lillard in the past number past seven number six picks becoming a star. Yuck. Yuck. That's a horrible trade. I'm going to say, and then up. his comment right below, if you look at it, is uh, Dave Chappelle's Dylan from Chappelle Show, just like looking and shaking his head profusely. Which great use of the gift game. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, that is our Howl Hot Takes. If you're not careful, you will end up as a Howl Hot Take. Now let's break this down a little bit more. We touched on it briefly in the first quarter. A blockbuster trade here happening as we're recording the show. Blake Griffin is now a Detroit Piston. Uh, Lou Williams, or sorry, not uh, or Tobias Harris. I don't know. I've got uh, Lou Williams getting moved on my mind too. Tobias Harris, Avery Bradley, my guy Boban, and a couple draft picks heading to the Clippers. Uh, guys, your thoughts on this trade? I, on the surface, I love it for the Pistons and I hate it for the Clippers. I get that there's more to it than that. There's whether it's the cap. You know, trying one person pointed out that they're just trying to create some space. And like, like some people have said, maybe they're going to go after LeBron. Maybe they're going to go yeah. after Paul George. So I, I kind of get that kind of thing. But the first round pick you're getting isn't going to be great. The second round pick you're getting isn't going to be great. I, I don't, I guess it kind of depends on, on your thoughts of a rental of Avery Bradley. If you can, now, if you can re sign Avery Bradley, more power to you. And maybe I like this trade a little more, but he's going to make 20 million plus. Blake Griffin tweeted about the trade shortly after it happened. And it's just a gif of Will Smith with a surprise look on his face. It's pretty clutch. I don't think, I don't even think he honestly saw it. Coming. I will say, I think Blake Griffin probably hates this trade because part of the reason he's really big into playing with the Clippers is he's starting to move into acting and he's, 
he's been pretty good uh, in the stuff he's been in. He's got a movie coming out uh, this year. I saw the trailer for it recently where he's like one of the main guys. Really? Yeah. So I don't think Blake Griffin's going to like this too much. I think he even might, he might even have like a production company or something. If I recall, I really don't mind the trade for each team because I think it makes the Pistons better. And for the Clippers, it gives you flexibility in terms of their cap and options for, you know, trying to attract a big name player. And really the wild card is Avery Bradley. You know, maybe they look to move Bradley at a later date, right? On a re-sign. I don't know. I think he's just an asset. Well, they won't be able to move him until December 15th or whatever. But I mean, you never know. Wait, what do you mean December 15th? Don't they have to wait until the... He's he's an unrestricted free agent this offseason. I know, but if they resign him, if they can resign him, that'd be great. But they got to spend a lot of money to resign him. And if their goal is to save that cap room for bigger names, because if you're the Clippers and let's say you do resign Avery Bradley, you're just stuck in mediocrity again, where you've been for years. True. And True. I, so for, for that instance, I get it. And I think uh, Waj tweeted out, but they're going to need a big bomb of a trade. Otherwise, they're, well, they're still no trying choice, to move. But they're still willing to trade DeAndre Jordan. So there's that, you know, the one guy that I don't feel bad for him, but he definitely probably regrets his decision is uh Taya dosage. Yes. He wanted playing time in a winning franchise. And so far he's basically getting neither. He could have been here. He didn't, he didn't want to play here though. He didn't want, he wanted the playing time. So then tomorrow it is what we'll it is. Trade him, not uh, winning games. Yep. Let's him Cole Aldrich. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh, Jersey insurance. Don't you guys just hate them now? Yeah. Like, like I bought a, uh, you know, I, I buy a Boban Jersey a month ago. Gotta love Boban on the Pistons. Right. Well, now he is an LA Clipper. What do I do? Am I out that, uh, that Jersey now? Do I, not. do I have to deal with it? Not anymore. What's well, always a remnant. So, uh, fanatics, which is, uh, the uh, largest seller of jerseys in the U S uh, they are offering Jersey insurance, uh, so it'll offer fans a chance to exchange for either the new Jersey of their favorite player or to get a different Jersey of a player on their team. Uh, if the player whose Jersey they recently bought gets traded. So here's how it works. If you uh, buy a Jersey on the site within three months of a player leaving that team, you have two weeks to make an exchange and you can either get that player's new team or, you know, you can get one on your favorite team still. Um, and it goes even further. If you buy the Jersey with an American express card, you would then have 12 months to exchange the Jersey. So that is pretty cool. They've actually, uh, they had it um, with back in November when Adrian Peterson got traded from the saints to the Cardinals. A lot of saints fans uh, participated in that exchange and opted to get a new saints Jersey. And what's nice is that fanatics pays the shipping both ways. So it doesn't just go for basketball. It actually translates all the way through. This is a really cool thing. Um, they're also launching a rental Jersey rental service called rep. The squad uh, goes for about $20 a month. Uh, not a lot of info on the article that I'm reading on that, but I'm sure more info to come as well there. That's kind of crazy. I think it's a really cool idea, especially, you know, like I bought my uh, now granted, I bought my Boban Spurs Jersey from China. So I paid $8 for it with shipping, but he became a free agent shortly thereafter and signed with the Pistons. And so my Boban Jersey at times feels obsolete. It's not because Boban's the greatest player in NBA history, but had I bought it on fanatics, I could exchange it. Man, the love and is real. I love Boban. 
Um, so yeah, it's, I think it's a really cool idea. Uh, let's move on to the all-star draft. Uh, Rob, this was an article that you found, uh, um, talking about the, the draft order. Well, basically it's so it's from bleacher report, but they actually kind of using this, the information they have at their fingertips and then just kind of a little, uh, guessing they went through what they thought was the draft order of the because obviously it wasn't televised which what's really funny is the initial reports were that the players didn't want to televise because they felt bad they didn't want guys to feel bad and then after the fact lebron's like that should have been televised it's like well i'm pretty sure behind the scenes my understanding was that he didn't want it televised so that's interesting are we really like i mean is it that serious we're protecting all-star caliber players from you know i got picked 11th and you picked me 13th their feelings in that regard Come on. So let's go through. We'll go through this and we can kind of just react and um, and see what, what people think. So I'll, they say, you know, Kevin Durant went number one. Makes sense. Uh, Giannis goes number two. I think that makes a lot of sense, too. By the way, you guys can compare what happens here to what we end up doing uh, next quarter because we're going to do something similar to this. Yeah, we are. Uh, pick three, Anthony Davis. Again, makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, pick four is James Harden. Pick five. Uh, Kyrie Irving by LeBron. That's kind of where I think you probably start to, you know, it could go either way. I mean, well, Kyrie at, a great at player, that point, but... is he just building out his team properly? Correct. And more thorough, I think. Yeah, that, that could makes, be. That makes sense. Now, uh, pick six, DeMar DeRozan. I think a little early for him, but again, it's an all-star game and it is mostly about scoring. You're not looking for defense. So I get that. And furthermore, the ante has been up. The, the winner I, I am now seeing is receiving a hundred thousand dollar bonus. Yeah. Yeah, That, that new thing they just added, I think is really cool. So there's that. I mean, there's true incentive to win here. I mean, yeah, you might be a millionaire, but you can't scoff at a hundred thousand. Yeah. And you only get a quarter of the money. If you lose, I think it was like 25 K for the losers. Yep. So it's, I mean, that's four times as much if you win versus if you lose, that's, that's incentive right there. So, so round one ends with uh team Steph picks Joel Embiid makes a lot of sense. So you after one round team LeBron would be Irving Durant, James Davis and cousins team. Wow. Steph would be Curry, Harden, DeRozan, Antetokounmpo and bead. I think on the surface anyways, team LeBron's better. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I I mean, it's kind of close, but not really. Now, granted at this point, you know, cousins obviously isn't there. And you kind of feel bad for for LeBron at that point. One of the goofy things is so Adam Silver is going to get to pick the replacement, which I which I understand. But so LeBron just kind of gets stuck with whoever. But there's not a lot of good ways to do it at this stage, I guess. So there's that. So going into round two, uh, the next pick would be Clay Thompson. That's crazy to me if that's how that worked. So Steph picks Clay Thompson. LeBron takes Russell Westbrook. If that's what happened. Steph Curry should never be allowed to pick teams ever again. Who takes Clay Thompson over Russell Westbrook? Steph Curry. I, I Steph just, Curry. But it's yeah. but it's your teammate. So in that regard, I kind of get that. Then they say uh, Steph would pick his teammate again in Draymond Green, which again you're picking your teammate. So I kind of get that. Uh, LeBron takes John Wall. Team Steph does the smart thing, and I think this this goes back to why he probably took Clay Thompson over Russell Westbrook. If this is what happened, so. With pick 13, he takes Jimmy Butler. And as we know, later on, he'll take Carl Anthony Towns. So I think one thing that Steph Curry kind of took into account was chemistry. I think that made a difference. Um, yeah. LeBron does it too, though, because he takes Bradley Beal. So now he's got both the Wizards. Uh, pick 15, Carl Towns. I think that makes a lot of sense there. 
You could maybe even argue he could go sooner, but there's definitely no argument. This is too early. Uh, pick 16, Team LeBron would take uh, Chris Dops. Pick 17, Damian Lillard would be to Steph. Uh, pick 18, Victor Oladipo. Pick 19, Kyle Lowry, which again, that tells you a lot about how good Kyle Lowry's season has been versus Oladipo. Oladipo's been on fire. I mean, he's really had a, a fantastic season. Very true, Rob. Um, and then LaMarcus Aldridge, which I'm not a big fan of his. So I think maybe at 20, that seems a little early. Uh, they say at 21, they guess Steph would have taken Al Horford and then 22 would be uh, Kevin Love. I, I get having Kevin Love be the last pick, although I think I'd rather have Kevin Love or Al Horford over LaMarcus. Yeah, I, I would too. Thoughts, but that's me. So that's kind of where we get there. So, so I mean, Kevin Love is, Mr. I think that's kind of interesting, uh, but obviously listening to our third quarter where we're going to do something similar yeah. with uh, 2k. See, see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, moving along all-star snubs. Now the selections you just read were, uh, you know, how the, the draft possibly went and all of the players in there. Who are your guys' snubs for the all-star game? Uh, to me, it's tough to say there's any snubs. Maybe I would say Lou Williams uh, should be in over clay Thompson. I think that's an argument I would, I'd be fine with, but again, the Warriors are so good. I get why they get as many all-stars as they do. Yeah. It, it makes a lot of sense. Aaron, do you have anybody on your, on your list that you feel got snubbed? Well, I think if you look at, you know, maybe CJ McCollum, he's playing close to an all-star level. Uh, I'd like to see him in the game one day, but it's so tough. Um, Paul George was one name. People thought, yeah, obviously he's was. replacing cousins now. Yeah, you know, really from there, you know, DeAndre, that could have been, you know, he could have, you know, maybe been over LaMarcus Aldrich. Andre Drummond is one guy people have said. Yes, Andre Drummond. Yeah, I think Drummond Uh, was a big one for me. uh, I was just going to move. or Ben Simmons. I was just going to move to the East uh, and say, you know, even Persingas too, um, even though his numbers are are a bit wonky right now because he's having to carry the load. What? Why so snubs are players that aren't in the. All-star oh my game. bad, my bad, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, no, I get what. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta say, for me, it's Andre Drummond. I don't think it's really close. I think if you're gonna look uh, um, on the the Western Conference side of the ball, he, obviously his numbers are gonna be a little bit more inflated now. But Mark Gasol, I think, is a perennial All Star. Um, yeah, I, th- I think he he could have been in there maybe over a couple guys, but. It's it's close. I don't think I think they actually got the got the the picks right for I actually like this year. format. Yeah, I'm in favor of it. I, cool I want to be able to watch it, though. Yeah, that's well, all I'm going to say. Well, I think they'll get there. They can improve upon that. Let's uh, let's move along here to the season ending injuries list. This list has grown exponentially over the last couple of days, claiming a lot of great players. I mean, think about all the people that are on that list. Obviously, Jeremy Lin was earlier in the season, but. Jeremy Lin's one guy, Mike Conley. They just announced Andre Robertson. Obviously, DeMarcus Cousins is probably the biggest name on that list. Gordon Hayward uh, earlier Patrick in Beverly the year. Patrick Beverly earlier in the year. Yeah. I mean, the list is crazy long. And I would say that the Wolves have been lucky, but ultimately, I think the Wolves just normally are super unlucky. So I think we were due to finally have a season where we have some players that are a lot healthier. Granted, Jimmy Butler missed a stretch this last week, but aside from that, we've been pretty fortunate. Um, I mean, and looking, looking down the, the injury list here that I've got, I mean, we forget Paul Millsap still out until yep. close to the end of that February. Hand, he broken hand, right? Reggie Jackson's out till the end of February. Um, 
Jordan Bell for the Warriors, who's been producing super heavily. He's actually slated to come back here relatively soon, but he's been out a while. Um, yeah, like you said, Pat Bev, uh, Lonzo's missed a bunch of games. We've, uh, you know, I mean, this this has been a really heavy injury season. Um, one thing, too, this was actually just breaking as of the night that we're recording here. Jabari Parker has been cleared to play and will make looks like he'll be making his debut yep, this weekend. That. Uh, so great to see that. Uh, for him, Rob, let's move along here to the WNBA side of things. Yep. Uh, first off, a huge congratulations to Lindsay Whalen, who was just announced that she's in the inaugural class for the Minnesota sports hall of fame. I think like her, Kevin McHale, very well deserving um, among a couple others. So a huge congratulations goes on to her. Uh, but Rob, you have a, a great article there to talk about. Yeah. From WNBA, WNBA.com. And we've, Obviously, for anyone that listens to us consistently, we've definitely made a a bigger effort to cover the WNBA because we do feel that league has just not been covered as much as it should be. So from WNBA.com, this is uh, they have the NBA basketball operations associate program uh, with the G League showcase. And this is about former WNBA players learning life after basketball at the NBA league office. So this is just definitely something you guys should take a look at if you haven't already. Uh, one person they mentioned, nine-year WNBA veteran Lindsey Harding. She's part of the NBA's Basketball Operations Associate Program, which helps former players transition from life on the court into potential front office positions with teams and leagues following their playing days. Obviously, the Spurs are one team that took a, an easy yep. jump on this early on. Becky Hammond, right? Yep. Yep. And we're hoping for, for more teams to continue to do this. So again, this is an article, it's not real long, but it's, it definitely takes you a look into what the NBA and the WNBA are trying to do for former players. Now, I think that's a, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. It's, it's great to see. I would absolutely love to see Lindsay Whalen uh, step out of the broadcast booth, which she does amazingly to begin with and take on a coaching role with the Timber Pops. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's something down the line where she could definitely have, You'd think she'd have an interest. Yeah, I think she'd have really good success at it, too. And one thing that that's mentioned in this article that this program, it opens doors that had never previously been an option for players. So it's pretty cool. That's good to see. Uh, Rob, how are we sitting on time? Do we have enough time here? Or are we uh, are we running out? I think it's uh, I think it might be time to maybe let's end on one more thing. Um, if you guys rec- recognized We've talked about the Avery Bradley trade, obviously, yep. but the other guy that's now talking about in trade circles is former uh, Thibs great Joe Kim Noah. What on eh. a buyout? I thought they were going to buy him out. That that was the conversation. Well, the problem is at this point, uh, Joe Kim Noah said he, he's not taking a pay cut, and and he's. It sounds like it was basically he almost stormed out of the place. They told him to leave. This is about a week ago. Things are not going well between the Knicks and Joe Kim Noah. I don't know how they're going to come up with a buyout. If, if he's not willing to take a pay cut, that makes it tough. Unless they look to maybe the stretch provision. Obviously, that's an option. But I think ultimately they're going to try to get a trade. But who's going to take that money? Cole Aldrich. Send him, you know, have a Cole reuniting in uh, New York. Maybe. Well, how much, how money much, money, money, how much money is Joe Kim making right now? Do we know? He's due like. It was like four years, 72 million. Yeah, something he's got absurd. two years yeah. left. No, I, I don't want anything to do with Joe Kim would, Noah. Would I take Joe Kim Noah in a buyout situation? 100%. If he gets bought out, just the veteran leadership and the fact that he'd probably take almost no, he'd probably take the veteran minimum to come play with Thibs again. Are you telling me you couldn't get, you know, 10, 15 minutes from him? Well, that's what I'm wondering. That I'd be okay with, I guess. But I mean, even, even still, I think, but I'm not trading for him. I'm not trading. No, no. And we've, I think we've got too many big men as it is. And with Justin Patton, finally 
showing signs of him being a number one, a first round pick that we, that we wanted out of him. I think, uh, I think we stay away from Joe Kim Noah. Uh, coming up, it is halftime of the Howl. We've got a great feature that you're definitely going to want to stick around and hear more about. Uh, and then coming up, third quarter is our NBA 2K All Day segment and the fourth quarter with the Howl Hardwood History and Can Kevin Cousy. We got so much coming up here. You are listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel, and this is the Howl. Halftime of the Howl. Now at the Howl, we love working with local artists. And tonight, instead of getting musical, we get artistic. Jessica Kramer is a professional artist who finds inspiration everywhere. Through her detailed illustrations and abstract paintings, she studies connections and the layers that shape us and our world around us, often depicting many stories in one piece. Tonight, we work with Jessica and her website, artloveleggings.com, where Jessica will be creating a one-of-a-kind painting of a wolf. Once the painting is complete, it will be made available on Art Love Leggings' website, and the proceeds from the painting will go to the Flip Saunders Legacy Fund, which is solely devoted to aiding and supporting deserving individuals or groups and continue the positive impact of the life of Coach Flip Saunders. For more info on how to purchase the painting, visit Art Love Leggings. That does it for the first half show. Stay tuned for the second half coming later this week on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere great podcasts are found. You can listen to us on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel on Wednesdays from 2 to 5 p.m. and Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central. The Howl is a proud member of the CLNS Media Network and can be found on clnsmedia.com.